Hello and welcome to Central's podcast. We pray your heart is touched through listening and that it helps you in your walk with Jesus. Today's message is from Pastor Kurt. So 20 years ago, Sharice and I uh, got married. We got to celebrate 20 years of marriage this past August 4th, and it's been great, all 20 years. So on our uh, honeymoon, we got to honeymoon up in Cape Cod, and so we spent a couple of days up there, and then we came back through Boston uh, to catch our flight back. So we spent about a day in Boston. So as we were going on one of the shuttle rides to or from the airport, um, we recognized there was a lot of construction going on. Just cones, seemed like there were cones everywhere and so on. So we asked the shuttle driver if there was a project going on, and he mentioned the, the term, the big dig. So I just said, what is the big dig? And he responded, you've never heard of the big dig? It's only the largest construction project in the history of the United States. And I'm like, okay, that must be really big then in the history of the United States. So he started to explain how they were taking a lot of their roadways from above ground to underground, where like half of their city's roadways are now in tunnels, how they were trying to create a lot of green space and then also some land for development as well. Well, I was still clueless uh, on it and ended up looking it up online, ended up watching a documentary on it. I realized, yeah, this was a really, really big dig. So I looked up some more information on it just to kind of give you guys a, a picture here. So it said on some of their websites here that Boston's big dig was the largest, most challenging highway project in the history of the United States. So he was right. It says it reduced traffic and improved mobility in one of America's oldest, most congested major cities. It built a framework for continued growth in Massachusetts and New England. Additionally, it approved the local government. It went on to say that this project replaced Boston's deteriorating six-lane elevated highway with a state-of-the-art underground highway and two new bridges. It created more than 300 acres of open land while reconnecting Boston uh, to its waterfront. The project spans 7.8 miles. So think about how many miles they're putting actually underground. About half of them were in tunnels. It says, in total, the Big Dig excavated more than 16 million cubic yards of soil and laid 3.8 million cubic yards of concrete. The larger of the two bridges is 10 lanes wide. It's the widest that was ever built. So this was like an enormous project for construction. It says that it began with research in 1982. They didn't begin construction until 91. And the estimated cost at the end of the project all the way in 2007 was $14.8 billion. That's a lot of money and a lot of dirt and a lot of concrete. When I think about a project like this, it required a ton of planning and preparation, close to 10 years of it before they ever began to dig. It also required the support of city council, local businesses, the general public. It required countless changes and patience from the residents during the change. It also required a lot of funding, like $14.8 billion. It required thousands of dedicated workers who continued to work over that decade plus. It also required that those workers had the right tools for the job. As I was thinking about the Lord, uh, what, the message, what message the Lord was giving me for today, and he reminded me of the big dig, he, remind, he also reminded me is that when the Lord gives vision to a local church, these elements are very, very similar. For example, it does require a lot of planning and preparation, but preparation in the church is called prayer. So it requires a ton of prayer. 
It does require support of the local body of Christ. It, it requires us as a local church family to stay united moving forward. It also requires a lot of changes and a lot of patience during that change. The Lord, once he gives vision and he sets it forth, he does prepare the hearts of the people to provide the funding so his work does get done. It requires dedicated workers from the entire church family to use their gifts to do the work the Lord's calling them to do. And it requires us to have the right tools to accomplish what we are called to do by the Spirit. I feel like the Lord has given Central their own big dig uh, over these next five years. We shared about it in the spring. And I feel like the Lord wants me to just kind of review where we've been over these past 10 months because I believe that he is divinely aligning us for where he's taking us. And sometimes if you're attending church week in and week out, more of a, a religious habit or a duty, a sermon series can come and go. An initiative, an announcement, a project can come and go. And at times we don't actually see how the Holy Spirit is tying this all together. So I felt like after a conference that we had this past weekend that he wanted us just to pause and give recognition to what his Holy Spirit has actually been up to this past year and where we feel like he is taking us. If you look back at just about a year ago in October, we had a series called Homecoming. And during that series, we launched what we are calling Central Life. And Central Life is the discipleship pathway that we are using now and into the future to make disciples at Central. It's how we are going to do life at Central. It takes a look at four contexts, whether it's this large group, mid-sized group, a small group, or individually, how Jesus made disciples biblically. You could find each one of these areas. We began to explore, okay, so how is Jesus making disciples and how does he want us to make disciples? And we feel like he gave us this tool to be able to make a multiplying movement of disciples here and into the future. When you look at what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 28, 19, what he told his disciples to do, we know these verses. I wanna read them again. He's with his disciples before he ascends to be with the Father. And he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. How many of you know Jesus was not haphazard in his ministry on this earth? For three and a half years, he didn't just go around and you know, not knowing what was going on and just kind of floating through life. No, he was connected to the Father, filled with the Holy Spirit, sensitive to where the Lord was leading him, and he was strategic and intentional about making disciples. I mean, look at his lifestyle. Look at when he was going from one place to another. If the Holy Spirit paused him, he would stop. He would minister. He would perform a miracle. He would keep going. But then he would teach his disciples. He would teach and preach and share parables. Everything he did was leading that him up to this point where he told his followers, now go and do this in all nations. Like completely impossible for them to do. And yet he knew he was setting them up for the future that the Lord had for them. And he knew that they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Lord has given us central life for people to be discipled and make disciples many, many years into the future. 
Now, Thanksgiving uh, came and we talked about giving thanks to the Lord and so on. And then in December, I felt like the Lord wanted to speak prophetically through several of our church members. So you might remember the service if you're a part of our church family. If you're not, we're just giving you insight on what the Lord is currently doing in our church family. So in December, there were seven or eight individuals in each service that shared a prophetic word. We believe that some of those were for individuals, but we absolutely believe some of them were for our church family. And some of those words that dealt with being, us being restored back to the Lord and Christians, followers of Jesus, being restored in areas, not just in our spiritual lives, but financially, mentally, emotionally, including spiritually. And really what we were trying to do going into January is steward the word of the Lord that we felt like was over our house. If you look at that prophetic gift in the scripture, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 14. And he says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, for their encouraging, and for their comfort. So when these words are going forth, it's supposed to strengthen us individually and as a body. It's supposed to build us up and encourage us toward the future that the Lord has for us. So after prayer, we really felt like the Lord wanted to speak to this body about being restored back to our original created value before Adam and Eve ever sinned. How many of you know the Lord wants to do that in our lives, right? He wants to take us, even as we follow Jesus, continue to refine us, to pull out all the junk in our lives. And as we surrender to him, as we say, Lord, take what is not supposed to be in my life away from me and let just the image of Christ remain. He is faithful to do that work in us. So we spent what we thought was going to be three or four weeks on this aspect of being restored. And we actually went all the way through February and we talked about uh, shame, guilt, condemnation, fear. And we heard testimonies about how the Lord was moving in people's lives and actually setting them free of these things. Now, what I didn't know at this time is that the Lord was going to begin to stir in our hearts a vision for the future. What I thought like, okay, he just wants to do a work in our church. He wants to get us cleaned up and cleaned out and ready, you know, for whatever he wants. But I didn't know that he was gonna be setting forth vision for the future. So in this time, we're talking about restore. We're just asking our church family, press in during this time, get freed from the junk that binds you. And Sharice and I started talking about how, even how the Lord was doing something spiritually here, he's also doing something physically. So in the spring, we started the largest renovation that we've done here in 20 years. We call it the Welcome Home Renovation. That goal in this entire renovation project is to say welcome home to today's church family, tomorrow's guests, and those who will call Central their home in future generations. If you're newer here, again, this renovation includes our bathrooms in the foyer, our entire foyer space, a new cafe, sanctuary with chairs, sound system and stage, a new kids check-in and nursing room, and a new worship and prayer wing. I mean, there's a lot going on here as the Lord is preparing us spiritually, also physically. The scripture that we use for the welcome home renovation is Isaiah 25, one. It says, I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness, You have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. 
I mean, if we think about just in this room alone over the past 40 some years, 45, 47 years that this building has been in existence, just if you think about the thousands of people who have worshiped the Lord in this room, who have exalted the name of Jesus, the hundreds of people, whether it was after a church service, after our Easter cantata, that have come forward to this altar to literally give their lives to Jesus for the very first time, those who have been called to ministry in this room, filled with the Spirit in this room, restored in relationship in this room. I said it at the beginning of our renovation. I'll say it again. It's not about the buildings. It is about the people. But the Lord's given us buildings to steward, and we want to see people's lives changed in these rooms. So even before this, you take a step back and you go to where our nursery and preschool is right up this ramp. That was our original church on this site. You can revisit when there were 125 people max in that room. And they went door to door over weeks and weeks inviting people to church. I wonder, you know, if that would actually work today or we would get a bunch of doors slammed in our face. I don't know. But I just know these people that were a part of Central were passionate about Jesus and they wanted people to know the same Jesus that they knew. So they invited and invited and invited. And that one week, they go from 125 people to 500 people, never to look back again. I think about what the Lord has done on this property. What we're trying to do through this renovation and across our campus is to steward what he's given us well so that people can meet with Jesus when they're here. You look across the street at the rock, it is in use almost every single day of the week, in the morning or in the evening, different groups, different ministries. Right now, our Hispanic congregation is still finishing up their worship service. Almost every day it's in use. Just last month when Mrs. Fisher met with the school board, she announced that if we have everybody in school and everybody in our daycare and our preschool, like if, if there were no kids absent or sick that day, we would have over five hundred students on this campus Monday through Friday. Like, think about that. 500 students, whether they're being rocked and sung to or whether they're being educated in the Bible or just being told Bible stories, 500 students have an opportunity on this campus every day, Monday through Friday, to receive what Jesus has for their life. He's given us great facilities. We need to facilitate great ministry and we need to steward what he's given us well. Amen? Amen. So we began this project right after Easter. And then in May, uh, months leading up to it, as we were going through Restore the Lord, uh, just started to clarify this vision that he had for us. So I started to begin casting vision toward 2027. And I used this illustration about digging wells. It comes from Genesis chapter 26, where Abraham, a faithful man of God, a friend of God, would, he would uh, settle in different regions. And wherever he would settle, because it was out in the, uh, outside of cities and so on, he would dig new wells for his family, uh, his servants, and so on. So he dug several wells in several locations. Now, we know that water is a representation of life. We know that Jesus is the living water, and that water gave Abraham's family life and substance. Well, Abraham came into some conflict, and the Philistines began to fill in these wells with dirt so they could not be useful anymore and provide life. And then after Abraham actually passed away, the Philistines filled up all of the wells that Abraham dug. In Genesis chapter 26, starting at verse 17, 
Now, this is after Abraham had passed away. Isaac was now born. He was an adult. And it says, Isaac moved away from the Gerar Valley where he had set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. I love the picture of this. So Isaac is saying, listen, what the Lord wanted to do through Abraham's life, the Philistines tried to cover up. I'm going to go back and honor what my forefathers plowed, the ground that they plowed, the wells that they dug, and I'm going to redig them. So Isaac and his servants, they begin redigging, bringing life back to things that were clogged up and filled in with dirt that the enemy wanted to suppress. And they start to redig these things. And not only do they, does he redig them, is he gives them the names that his forefather gave them, bringing back, pulling back into it the purpose that God had for those wells. And not only does he just redig those old wells, as he digs new wells as he begins to go into new land. And the Lord began to give clarity of how we are called to do that at Central. We are called to honor the 70 plus years of history in this church and recognize what the Spirit of God has done over those years and redig those old wells that have been clogged with dirt. But there's more. There's new wells to be dug. There's new ground to be taken. There's new areas that we can push back the darkness as we are led by the Holy Spirit. So we talked about this in May and just where the Lord wants to take us over these next five years. We called the church to a place of commitment. If you were at that service or the weeks following, maybe you remember a little silver shovel that we received. This isn't just a little trinket as a reminder. No, we believe that this should be a bold reminder, a prophetic reminder that he has placed gifts and talents and abilities in your hands so that we can dig together that he has work for us to do here in the future to advance the kingdom everywhere we go. Amen? Amen? All right. So shortly after that, we had the privilege of celebrating 70 years of being in Assemblies of God Church late May. We were able to look back at what the Lord has done. We, we were able to look at what he's doing now and also look uh, to the future. It was a wonderful time of just remembering of how, what the Lord's done, some of the people that have made a huge, huge impact on this church family, but to really set our sight on what the Lord wanted to do. And then later on in the spring, what we did, was we just started seeking the Lord. Like, what do you want us to do, Lord? What's that first well you want us to dig? Where do you want us to begin? We don't wanna be hasty in doing these things. And then in July, almost by accident, the Lord began to give us clarity. I think it was July 10th. There was an event called Pittsburgh Praise. And it was downtown. There was close to 100 people from our church that went down there. And on that day, I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna pray as a church family with like 20,000 other people. I should preach on prayer. Be a one-time message, prepare our hearts and so on. Well, the Lord started working in my heart so much so that we spent the next two and a half months on prayer. Individual prayer, corporate prayer, the power of prayer, how God answers prayer, a lifestyle of prayer, a commitment and discipline in a life of prayer. And we believe, again, that the Lord is setting the ground for what he wants to do. Now, the whole time I'm asking the Lord, so where do we start? Where do we start? What's the first well? What's the first well? What's the first well? And eventually he's like, we're digging the first well. 
It's called prayer. It's called prayer. It's called prayer, right? And I'm reminded one of the wells that we talked about was the well of his presence, the well of his presence, the sweet presence of Jesus that changes life in an instant, right? The presence of Jesus that causes people that have been following Jesus for years but stuck in a rut to repent and turn fully toward him. And I was encouraged. I was like, okay, I didn't make a mistake. I didn't make a mistake. I'm just joking. So over this course of time, we're preaching on prayer, right? right? The, the front of our stage begins renovation. We have this open space Sharice reminded me of something that we did uh, with our junior high over at The Rock to write names of people that we wanted to come to Jesus. So we invited you to come forward and behind this curtain and this drywall are hundreds more requests and they're written all over here. So we called our church to four weeks of prayer and we knew that in those weeks he started something, a spark was lit. So we're like, listen, this is not a special four weeks. We are going, we are committing to it. And out of that, every Monday at 8.30 in the morning and every Wednesday at 6 p.m., we are praying. We're committed to it for the long haul. We want to see the Lord move and we need his presence to do it. Amen? So we're gonna continue to pray. I was reminded by some of these verses in Acts chapter four when it says, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. See, we can pray by ourselves. Like there's a, a verse in Luke chapter five, verse 16, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. So Jesus knew how to get out of the crowd to get filled back up to be with the Father. But you also see in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, time and time again, when they met together, they prayed corporately. So there was power in praying together. There's another verse in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says the church prayed very earnestly together. I want to get to that point in our prayer meetings. In our prayer meetings, I don't feel like they're boring or sleepy. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and we want to pray according to his will. But I want to be able to get to a point where I say, anytime that we meet for prayer, we are praying very earnestly together. And we're going to see the results that the book of Acts saw. Amen? So we have this conference last weekend. And really, during, the, during this Empowered to Serve conference, the Lord is just showing me the things that are on my heart, the things that are on our pastor's hearts, the things that the Lord set forth in our vision, the things that you, as our church family, are writing down, they are coming to pass. They're coming to pass. Not just as one of those old wells that we want to redig, a well of his presence. There's another one that we called the well of divine calling. We have over 125 people from this church that we can count. I'm sure there's many more in, in back in the older days. But we have over 125 people in this church that have been sent out, that are in full-time ministry, missions, evangelism, whatever. So we know the Lord wants us to be a calling church, but we've seen a gap over these last maybe 15 or 20 years where we, there, there's not people responding anymore. and there's not, there's, there's not this thrust of sending people out into ministry. One of the things we're realizing is this, is we haven't been able to spend extended periods of time, not we haven't been able to, we haven't chosen to spend extended time in his presence in those types of services where people respond. So I'm telling you this past weekend to watch a group of people of all ages stand up here responding to a full-time call to ministry or a call to minister fully in the marketplace, to watch a group of people come up here to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, 
on Saturday, or Sunday night to see Jessica Bryan over here with eight or 10 youth praying and prophesying over them, to see her come over here where there was more youth and young adults praying over them. Listen, if we believe prayer works, then I believe something was being imparted in these youngsters' lives at those moments and times. Listen, I've said this the last two weeks. My children, my four children, they were raised in a Christian home. Not a perfect home, but a Christian home. They were raised in a great healthy church. They were raised in a great Christian school. And yet it has been these times of extended prayer and worship at the altar, whether it's been at a youth camp or a retreat or even in this sanctuary where the Lord has spoken uniquely to them. There's something about saying, I'm gonna take just a little bit more time for Jesus tonight, right? And that's why Sharice and I, we put out that video to you parents and we actually sent out a survey to you. We'd love to hear back from you and collect those things just about how we can minister and offer opportunities best to get our next generation into the presence of God and let him touch our children in unique ways. Amen? So I'm excited from this past week. I'm excited about what he wants to do. So during this whole time, we, we also, we're seeing all this change happening. We have several uh, um, staff members, uh, a few retire, one steps back from ministry, and even uh, Robin Ardino, she retired a second time from bookkeeping. She came back to help us and said, you're re-retiring. Thank you for your service here. So we see this shift, and then over two weeks, we bring on three new staff members. So there's all this shift, there's all this change going on. And I do, I want to take just even a moment, even throughout these changes, to publicly thank our pastors, our support team, and our facility team. Listen, all this much change with renovation, with team members, with ministries changing, all this stuff, that could wear and tear on a minister's or a support team or facility's life, especially the, the, the fuller our schedule gets with our facility teams, but they're doing an awesome job. So I just want to thank each one of you that are on our ministry team for, yep, absolutely, for making the effort to be there. So we're doing our best, stay unified, focused on Jesus and what he wants to do. And this is all occurring while we have like this major renovation project going on, right? But there's great progress, folks. I mean, behind uh, that wall there, they are finishing things up shortly. Like I'll say it in weeks, not months, but in weeks, they're gonna shift over to this side of the uh, foyer. We're gonna, uh, there'll, there'll be the renovation here where the pews will become chairs. The stage will get finished. Uh, the new paint, new sound panels and so on. So there's still big changes to come. And I feel like the Lord's saying this, change is not coming to central, change is here. And it's good change, and it's positive change. And it's change toward the future, and it's change to get us ready, to stretch us, to grow us into what he wants to accomplish in this church family over the next five years. And I am excited to see what happens. So I received this prophetic word from evangelist Michael Cogley. He's a part of our church family. Many of you know him. But I do receive this as a word from the Lord. He says, I want to encourage you with what I strongly believe is a word of the Lord for you and the church in this present season. We are experiencing what may appear to be a rapid and dramatic change in team members, which can feel somewhat unsettling. But God has been speaking and giving a fresh vision and a renewed purpose. New wells are being dug. Know this, things aren't falling apart. Rather, the pieces are falling into place for the fulfillment of the fresh vision. 
So listen, our, our, our team members that have stepped back, they've helped build that ground. They've helped build the foundation. They've helped plow the way. And now the Lord is benefiting them in their current season. And we believe the Lord is positioning people into their right places for this next season of ministry. You know, the elders and I, we've been talking and praying now for, I don't know, maybe close to a year. And I've been introducing it to our pastoral team. How We're trying to look at each person, their giftings, their talents, their passions, and align them with where the Lord wants to take us in this, these next five years. So we're asking, how can, we, how can we have that divine alignment, put everybody where they belong so the Lord can get his work done through his people? So pray with us as we make some of these changes and adjustments that the Lord will be able to thrust us into the future. So again, this whole time I'm asking, so what's the first well? What's the first well? Okay, you said it's prayer. I get that part, but what's the first well? What's the first well? I'm even asking the Lord again, like, where do we start? And he just reminded me as clear as day this past week. The digging has begun. Like, quit waiting around. The digging has begun. Pick up your shovel and join in. I'm like, okay, great. You started it. I can just pick up my shovel now and join in. This is good, right? See, when it's not done in the flesh, when it's done by the Spirit, it's going to be easier, it's going to be fun, it's going to be exciting, and the Holy Spirit is going to do so much more through us than we could ever do in our own timing and in our own strength. Amen? So what we have to do is just figure out what type of shovel has the Lord placed in our hand? We gotta pick that thing up and begin shoveling. Join in if you are a part of Central's family. Now, what I didn't realize before writing this message, there are a lot of different types of shovels. You'll actually see them on the screen, like a lot. So we got the edging shovel, the trench shovel, the root shovel, the scoop shovel, the tree planting shovel, the flat shovel, the postal shovel, the pointed shovel, the folding shovel, the one shovel that you are all hoping and praying the Lord does not give you, the snow shovel. Yes, you do not want the snow shovel. Listen, the Lord wants you to know the spiritual shovel that he's given you. It's not supposed to be guesswork. Right? When, I, when I talk to people about getting involved in ministry, and I don't just mean signing up for something, though our team has put together that list where there are needs. But when we're really following the Lord, I tell people to look for two pieces of evidence in their life. One is fruitfulness and one is fulfillment. And I think they are both and, not one or the other. For instance, you don't wanna be serving in a ministry where you are very fruitful, like you see a ton of results, but you're burned out, miserable, and hating what you're doing. I don't think that's of the Lord. On the other hand, I don't think that you uh, should be in a ministry where you're just like super happy, and this is so much fun, and nobody's life is changing because of it. Funnest time of my life. Everybody's miserable in my ministry, but I'm doing great. I don't think that's of the Lord. So I feel like he wants to place in our hands spiritual shovels to redig these old wells, to dig new wells that will lead us to being both fruitful and fulfilled. He wants us to be aware of what his spirit is doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse one, Paul is talking about these gifts that the Lord's given us. And he says, now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Come on, listen to this. For those of you like, I don't know where to serve. I don't know how I'm gifted. I don't know where my passions are. Know this, it's the will of the Lord for you to be informed of how he has designed you to serve in ministry. 
It's not supposed to be guesswork. It might take some practice. It might take some, uh, some shadowing of other people, but he wants you to be informed of how the Holy Spirit has wired you. Listen, when I was a child and it was my birthday and my parents would hand me presents, I would not take those gifts and take them to the corner of my living room and leave them there and go about my day, right? That would be like absurd. So what did I do? They handed me the gifts. I looked at them for about a second and I tore into those things, right? Wrapping paper off as quick as possible. Tape off and we were one of those families that we use like duct tape to really get on each other's nerves. So cut the duct tape off and I got into that gift, right? As soon as I see what's in there, I don't look at it and say, wow, that's awesome, that's fun, that's useful. I'm gonna set it down and walk away. Again, that would be absurd. But so many in the church do that from time to time. We receive gifts from the Father and we set them down on the side and we're like, listen, I'm probably not even worthy to open this. I'm probably not. I probably couldn't even handle it. So I'm just gonna walk away. I'm too busy. I'm just gonna keep going. Or you open it up and you see it and it looks exciting and it's like, oh, this is gonna require like surrender. This is gonna require time. This is gonna require prayer. I don't even want it. Looks good. Rewards are probably great, but I'm just gonna walk away. And we realize this is a gift. This is a gift that you get because you're a child of the most high God. Come on, this is the, this is the best thing. Nobody gets left out. Those verses go on to say, it's by the same spirit that different gifts are given and the same father who see, oversees this happening. It's the same Jesus that we all use these gifts for. None of us get left out. See, your gift that the Lord has given you or your gifts are not because of your IQ, your education, or your test scores. It's not because of your age or your height or your gender or your ethnicity. It's because you've bowed your knee to Jesus. He says, you're now my son. You're now my daughter. Here goes some gifts for you. Right? Happy birthday. You get a shovel. Right? Every one of you are like, I hope I get a shovel for my birthday. Here it is. Actually, you got one last May. We're going to order more. They're little. They're silver. You can have one. The Lord's giving us spiritual shovels to, deal, to dig spiritual wells. We need every single person on board to have this shovel in hand. Pastor Adam, you can come up with this time. Pastor Sue Willis, who's a, a part of our church family, she's here today. She's also the executive director of Beyond Survival Ministries. We're one of the individuals that spoke this word of restoration uh, back in December that led us, uh, not just that singular word, but what he was doing. It was a word of confirmation that led us to this, uh, to preach on restoration. And just a few weeks ago, she shared another uh, word and again, it just lines up with where the Lord has us. And I love how he just confirms through the voice of his spirit what he's already speaking to our hearts. And she wrote to me and just said that she really feels like the Lord wants to continue on this theme of restoration. But this season essential that it's restoration of his glory and his power in the church, the manifest presence of God. Listen, the Lord can move and does move in these settings that are 90 minutes long on a Sunday morning but I believe it will be also in prayer services, in worship services, waiting until we know the Lord has walked into the room. Something is now changed, right? And we don't live by our emotion. I'm telling you, Sunday night, when his spirit and his presence came, 
I'll tell you, as a pastor in those times, I'm nervous in the best of ways. I know what he's done in my life during those times. I know what he's done in my kids' lives and other people's lives. And I just wanna steward him well. Like when he shows up into a room in a greater way, I just wanna welcome him. I wanna treat him well, if that makes sense to you. I wanna host him well. So there are times I'm up here and I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to pray. I'm just gonna keep my microphone off. Just ask that he comes in his glory and his power. I believe he's so faithful and true. I have all the confidence in the world that we will experience a greater measure of his manifest presence in the months to come. Very, very confident. The second part of that says the restoration of his gifts and ministries for the common good of the church. We do, we have hundreds of you, hundreds of you that serve in ministry right now. And I applaud that. And I also know that the enemy constantly fights at the believer to become a consumer in the church and not a producer. And that's what we want. We want producers that are doing it the most effective way. Can I warn us in this one area and caution us? As I encourage you to discover the shovel that the Lord's placed in your hand, and as I encourage you to pick it up and dig the wells, can I, can I warn us and caution us to not become so busy that we're ineffective? I don't want a bunch of digging. If you ever saw the movie Holes, where the teenagers had to dig a hole here and then a hole here, then a hole here for absolutely what seemed to be no purpose at all. I don't want to dig holes in our own power. It all ties back to what strategy is the Lord giving us? We believe it's central life. What's the spirit saying now, which is a prophetic word? Are we being restored individually and as a church family? Are we surrendering the junk of our lives? And is it bathed in prayer? If you look at the last 10 months of our church family, I believe we could follow that pattern over and over again. And we will be sure that we're not just busy digging holes, that we are effective. We are effective digging the spiritual wells that he has for us. Amen? Amen. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, I'm gonna close in just a few minutes here. It says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So we need you. Every single person that calls Central to the Family, if you're visiting with us today and you attend another church and take something that the Lord's speaking to you and through you and take it back to your congregation and say, I got a shovel in my hand, I'm ready to dig. If your pastor looks at you weird, just give them a little bit of context, okay? But we want everybody who calls Central their home to be able to discover what type of shovel's in their hand. Pick it up and start digging, but make sure prayer is the foundation. 
I wanna share a very brief story with you. I've, I've told it before. I feel like it's fitting for today. About 19 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, oh, probably 21 years ago at this point, my now father-in-law, who I, I knew because I was dating Sharice, let me know of a need that existed. And it was to click, it was to work the computer to click the songs and to click what we used to use was now PowerPoint back then. And like, I was like, wow, this is my lifelong passion. Like everything I've ever dreamed of, my skills, my gifts, my, I'm being sarcastic right now. Everything is just aligning. You know what happened is this, Central's my home, so I'm gonna serve. I was taught by my parents to serve, so I'm gonna serve. I met a need, right? I didn't have to pray about it. I didn't even have to fast three days about it. Somebody needed to click the words. So I met the need, I just went back there. I'm telling you, the times of worship that I had, and I did forget to click some of the times too, but the times of worship and the freedom, the people that I got to meet back there, and I got to learn the inner workings of the tech side of the church. Now, I didn't know that the Lord was using those experiences to pre prepare me for what was yet to come. So I'm clicking on the computer, right? I'm just enjoying myself. It's not like a total fit for my giftings, but I did get to add value to the current pastor at the time uh, because I was a teacher. So I knew how, like, how many words to put on, make sure they're big, make sure we communicate in an effective way. So I got to help him in that. Well, at the same time, Sharice and I are called to serve in our, um, in, at the youth group. We didn't have the rock yet. Uh, we were meeting in the basement of one of the houses that we own. So in that, we're youth leaders and we're called to be junior high leaders. And it's a fit. Like for me, spiritual gifts, passion, desire, all that stuff. It's a fit. I'm in my zone. I know the Lord's taking us somewhere, okay? So we get over to the rock and the rock opens up. And within a couple months, we have upwards of 80 children or students, just sixth and seventh grade. Just sixth and seventh grade, folks not eighth through 12. That was on the other side where Anthony and, and some other people were over there. We saw the Lord move in those days. And I always thought like, this is my preparation. This is the open door. Cause I knew I was called to ministry. I was taking classes. Well, a couple years later, a new pastor comes in. I'm almost done with my classes for uh, ministry. And I wanted to write him uh, a letter to say, hey, listen, I'm going for ministry. If there's ever a need, let me know. I wanna be able to serve anywhere that I know. Well, a couple months later, there's an opening. I'm in his house being interviewed. A couple weeks later, I'm out of teaching and I'm overseeing all of the adult ministries. Like I was the only associate pastor overseeing anything from outreach to discipleship to care or whatever. And the Lord showed me a couple years into ministry that it was not my ministry or our ministry at the rock that opened that door of trust from the pastor to me. It was me clicking through his sermons. It was me showing up early, being consistent, being reliable, being timely with my slides. It was something that was outside of my true ministry design that actually gave him trust in me and opened a door for a conversation. I learned a powerful thing in that moment, that serving is not about me. Serving isn't, an, isn't about that it's a perfect fit for me. Serving is about figuring out what shovel he's placed in my hand in this season. And I dig, I dig, I dig. And as long as we are plowing the ground first with prayer, we're gonna accomplish a lot for his kingdom and it's gonna be good.
We have very practical ways to follow up with today. The first is this. You are going to receive an impact guide. It has each one of our ministry teams in it. We're not saying, hey, sign up today. This isn't, you know, one of those, those deals. We want you to be educated about what's here so you know what opportunities exist. Adam talked about the ones that were in the video. They're on a separate sheet just because there's, there's openings there and there's ways that we can make immediate impact. There's a QR code on the back where you can communicate with us and we're just here to answer your questions. Lastly, there is a, a, a training that's coming up. Pastor Todd's gonna do it. You'll see a slide up there. We call it Ministry Design Assessment Training. If you have taken our Next Steps class, then you've already taken those assessments and you should be guided right into serving in ministry. If you're in our church, maybe you've been a member for decades and you're like, I'm too young or I'm too old or I'm not right or whatever. No, don't believe those lies. So Pastor Todd is simply gonna walk through what it means to have spiritual gifts. He's gonna teach you the assessments that we use. And then he does a follow-up meeting with each person. It's an individual meeting where you just talk through what your potential spiritual gifts are, your passions, your leadership style, your personalities. And we help you test drive ministries. Like we do not force you into anything. We give you opportunities to pick from. We support you through it. Pastors or ministry directors help you shadow uh, other people. And we let you walk this thing out. So I believe the wells are already being dug. And at the same time, we're in a season of discovering what shovel is in your hand and where you can dig. But I'm looking forward to great, great days ahead. Why don't you stand with me? Heavenly Father, as, as practical as serving can be and as quick as we can say yes to where there's a need, we know we, we, we desperately need your presence. We need you. We need your Holy Spirit to show up and change lives and prepare lives and prepare hearts and excite hearts and to put a burning, a burning passion in us to make a difference in our own church family and outside the walls to those who are hurting in this community, county, and region. And Father, we don't take this 2027 vision lightly. Father, we look at it with sober-mindedness and seriousness, but also with excitement about all that your spirit can do supernaturally through a body of believers who simply say, yes, yes, I will obey what the spirit says. So Father, give us in this season a spirit of revelation of what gifts you have given us and where you want us to begin digging wells. And then also give us faith, bold faith, that as these wells that are already being dug of what changes to make, what advancements to make, and how to steward your presence well. Come on, Jesus. We just ask that you would take us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And we look forward with great anticipation with what you have and what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and go visit centralconnect.org for more information and media.